After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast powered by Louisville Slugger. Visit them online on Twitter or Instagram at Slugger Nation. This is the Baseball America College podcast with Jim Schoner and Mike Lanana. I'm John Manuel. And uh, Jim just uh, flew in from uh, D.C. His arms are tired. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm inspired by Mike for the bad joke or what, but the, there wasn't punny enough, Mike, to be a, a Mike Lanana joke. And it wasn't funny enough either, I think. Well. Letting yeah. it pass without comment. Smart move. <laughs> smart move, Mike, to a rough start of the podcast. We're just going to dive right in. We do have a new number one team this week. It's Louisiana State. So if you go to our BaseballAmerica.com homepage and check out the top 25, You'll see there was some movement at the top of the rankings, some, some movement later on. We're going to talk some more SEC later. We do want to start off, though, with Jim's uh, road trip up to the D.C. area. Maryland moves up to from number 24 to number 21 with a series win this weekend against Cal State Fullerton. Jim saved the middle game of that series. Not a lot of run scoring in, Never that, not, no. in that series. So let's start off with the Terps, what they did well besides Mike Sharon, uh, Schwarin. I wonder if that's his name. There you go. He told me how to pronounce his name, Schwarin. I didn't listen very well, but he did teach me how to pronounce his name. That's a tricky one. It is a tricky one, and he's tricky, and he does not get rocked around. He no. He's pretty devastating, Jim, and to me, he's a separator. Maryland's scrappy. They've got a good bullpen. They could manufacture some runs. They're somewhat athletic, mm-hmm. but to me, Schwarin's really the separator for that team. He makes them from a decent team and a borderline regional team to a potential regional host, uh, and, and as you saw firsthand, if the Terps are to win their way into hosting, they just need to do that off campus at Aberdeen, yeah. not on campus. Yeah, no, it's not a uh, not much to write home. Not much to be excited about about the uh, the facility there. It's pretty, you know, their their multi million billion dollar whatever football stadium looms over it, and as you kind of just tucked into there, this open air slabs of concrete press box and what have you. So it's kind of a uh, kind of tells you where the uh, landscape is there to the baseball, Maryland, baseball but, is in the pecking order yes and, exactly and the thing is it was a well below average facility in the acc and now it's below average in the big 10 it is i mean yeah. I, I think rutgers and maryland the two newest teams in the big 10 are at the bottom of that mm-hmm. league if not at the bottom very near the bottom for a worse ballpark uh which mm-hmm. is surprising because they both came from supposedly bigger time at least maryland a bigger time uh conference in the mm-hmm. acc now, Maryland was our preseason pick in the Big Ten. What did they show you this weekend? Did they validate that? Did they? I mean, obviously, Illinois has something to say about exactly. that. How that first-hand look of Maryland? They confirm some of your suspicions? Also, I mean, they, they didn't. Obviously, they didn't tear it up offensively. And Fullerton can pitch, which we'll, we'll do more on the Titans. But uh, 
And the Terps were kind of shorthanded offensively. I think Nick Sieri, one of their big power guys, was out. Uh, Lamont McWade, who's you know, one of their regular guys, I think he's had a strong start there. He was out. They had a couple of the guys that were kind of been nicked up. But, uh, I mean, so right now their, their lineup is kind of top-heavy with Brandon Lau and Jose Quas and Kevin Martir at the top. But, uh, you know, they can manufacture runs. They are very athletic. And they, obviously, they lose in very difficult circumstances. They lose Taylor Styles on Saturdays. And he had kind of really seized that Saturday role. Um, you know, we're talking about trying to get the rest of their pitching in order after Mike Schworen and um, but then they got a great outing out of Robert Galligan, who's kind of a three-pitch lefty, and then Jake Drosner on sun- Sunday, who pitched really well, and he was a guy who had been in their weekend rotation. He was in their rotation last year when they had their big breakout year. He started the clinching game in that regional in uh, South Carolina last year, and he had basically didn't throw don't, didn't throw any strikes this first half of this year, so he lost his job. But now he. I mean, he pitched really well, even though they lost yesterday, but he pitched really well, eight shutout innings. Um, so, I mean, that's that's really, I mean, to see both of those guys get opportunities to pitch in the ro- weekend rotation and really run with it, even against not a not a great offensive team in the Titans. But, uh, I mean, that's really what you want to see, to see those two dudes uh, both responding that way. And, I mean, just in that series in general, I mean, defense was the, I thought defense was the real separator between those two teams. They could both pitch. Neither of them were particularly offensive, um, especially the Titans. But, uh, I mean, Fullerton made eight errors in that series. I mean, they had some guys. They had, I think they had a few guys out themselves. But made eight errors. The Terps only made one. The Terps' infield defense, which I kind of harped on, harped on on Twitter multiple times, but their defense was just aces. And the, uh, even though they have two freshmen out there, and uh, um, Morris and uh, the shortstop Kevin Smith, Zach Morris, the first baseman. But uh, Great name. But uh, hard, Zach, hard to beat Zach Morris. It probably was not easy to grow up named Zach Morris. Exactly. But, in a uh, post Saved by the Bell era. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they were both. You know, they played just lockdown defense, and uh, I mean, Kevin Martier was really good behind the plate. Uh, uh, John Sheff, their catcher, had was very high praise for his work back there, and he's he's kind of really come up on, come on uh, offensively. But uh, for the Terps. They're still a, a pitching and defense team at heart, like they were last year. They kind of found some more offense this year, but um, they banged the ball a little bit more they than did. I thought. They've got thirty-four home runs. They have, the they have, and and the whole. The, I mean, but we did think this was going to be a big Big Ten year, mm-hmm. and it's shaped up that way so far. And you know, Maryland's had a good year, guys, and they're fourth in the league. Um, you know, Mike, when we were meeting on the top twenty-five, you advocated, hey, you know, I actually moved Illinois up. Mm-hmm. I had Illinois in my top ten. I don't think initially we had the Illini there, but or the Illini, or however many wins <laughs> it is in a row now. I've lost track. I can't count all these yeah. W's. Yeah. But this team just keeps doing it, and I don't feel we've talked a ton about Illinois on the podcast, but they're 32-6. and six. I don't care who you play. That's a ridiculous record, and they've played good teams. So now 13 in a row, uh, we've talked a little bit about Iowa. We had Hudson go see Iowa last weekend at Maryland. Now I've got Illinois in, this, uh, in the top 10 at number 9. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the conference, but what specifically? It seems like Illinois pitches as well as any team in the country, and especially in this hot streak they're on right now. Yeah, well, that uh, that Twitter account with all the W's is definitely a little unwieldy at this point. But... It has gotten that way. That's a good problem for them to have. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's for sure. But yeah, no, I think it starts with the pitching. I think uh, you look at Kevin Duchesne and. This, this weekend, a really gutsy performance for him. He actually went to his grandmother's funeral the morning before he started, and then he, he came out and threw seven innings, one run ball, nine strikeouts, and, and got the win. 
and he's been phenomenal for him this year, a junior. He he led the Big Ten in ERA last year, and this year it's 0.82 right now. So just behind his teammate Tyler J in the bullpen. Who's Who cares about the awesome. new balls with these guys, right? Yeah, no, he's been he's been phenomenal for them, and it, it really does start with the pitching, I, I think, with them. They've had a very consistent group all year. They have uh, a senior in, in Drayson Johnson who's been great for them as well, time in and time again. So, uh you know they're they're for real. They're they're a formidable team. I think any team that wins thirteen games in a row is is, is a team that you should take seriously. Uh, and you know ten and one in the Big Ten, which is stronger this year, is a stronger conference. So that's nothing to sneeze at either. I mean they're a quality group. Just a couple of stats here on the Illini pitchers. They're seventh in the country in ERA. But I guess what stands out more to me is that Drew Dick- Drew Dickinson, their pitching coach, is old enough that I covered him when he was uh, playing for the Illini. I remember him. There, I remember him as a brash Oakland A's farmhand. He's still brash on Twitter, and he was a mid-80s guy. When I talked to him earlier this year, you know, he was talking about how Tyler J's changeup is as hard as his fastball was when he pitched. They're both left-handers. But what he has done, uh, he hasn't slowed everybody down to his velocity level, but the line I have kind of taken on part of his uh, mantra. When he pitched, he was all about command. He didn't walk anybody. And this team is uh, fourth in the country in uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio as a team. Basically four strikeouts for every walk they issue on the mound. So it's just, you know, it's a very control-oriented rotation, but also has some real power guys. And and two top-shelf left-handers like Duchesne and Jay, it's just going to be a tough matchup for anybody, guys. And Mm -hmm. the the rest of the Big Ten, I guess, has kind of stood out to me. A big weekend for Ohio State this weekend. Uh, They've Mm -hmm. stayed consistent and... I know they haven't played the best schedule necessarily yeah, in the it's league. Getting, it's getting tough. I mean, now this was better. a big, big uh, hurdle for them to get over. It was, and now if I could throw out a team that's kind of sneaking up there is Michigan State. I yep. mean, they're up to forty-one in the RPI. They're up to seven and five in the conference. They haven't, you know, they haven't won. You know, they lost a series to Illinois. They lost a series to Ohio State. So they, they did. Well, they swept Oregon, right? They Out swept. Oregon? That's the that's their claim to fame right now. Is they swept Oregon on the road. Which uh, Oregon's kind of been struggling. It's still a talented team, nonetheless. And uh, I mean, they're you know, and their schedule they're up to seven and five in the league, and their the remaining schedule is pretty uh, manageable. So as long as they win those series and don't, you know, if they if they if they were to like lose a series to Purdue or something, that would pretty much kill their, kill their RPI. But right. So as long as you take care of business, though, I mean, they could sneak into a regional. I mean, they're they're up to yeah, forty one in the RPI, seven and five in the conference. They've got. 11 uh, top 100 wins. You keep adding to those a bit. I mean, they it's not inconceivable. They could uh, kind of be that, you know, maybe that the fifth team. Maybe Indiana's kind of fallen off a little bit, so maybe they could sneak, kind of go in the back door there. Indiana seems like it's fallen off. Nebraska, that's a tough they're, weekend they're for the Huskers. They're kind of treading on dangerous water here. It, it feels that way. Uh, losing that series to Ohio State. At home. Yeah, you, you would expect them to win a series at home. Definitely seems like it gives Ohio State a pretty nice... Uh, data point on that resume for the committee come uh, come field of 64 time, Jim. We're about a month away from that now, uh, really five weeks away, four more regular season weeks and then conference tournaments. But Ohio State's in there 9-3 and three in the league. Uh, they can really pitch. Lankins was outstanding for them this weekend in the clincher, uh, draft-eligible sophomore that uh, does not hurt his draft status uh, for him this weekend. You know, they're a game back of Iowa for second place. They've got this gaudy RPI to go on the road and win. I feel like Illinois, Iowa, Maryland are in very, very good shape for for at-large bids. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like Ohio State they took a and, big step this weekend. Right. And I feel like Ohio State and Nebraska are in good shape, maybe not great shape. Nebraska's RPIs. Nebraska's RPI is still up there. But it's still very good. But the, the, down to six and six now. They kind of need to pick it up a little bit. That's what I'm wondering. I think we've talked about how strong the Big Ten is this year, and it's been borne out. But when you have four teams that have RPIs in the bottom 150, like Northwestern, yeah. Rutgers, Penn State, Purdue, how much will that potentially counteract? I mean, you've, you've been studying and crunching some of the numbers. I mean, this is uncharted water for the Big Ten anyway. But getting four would be kind of revolutionary. We're talking about a fifth bid. Does that soft bottom hurt the chances of the league getting a fifth team in there? It would, and I do think for Nebraska. I mean, they do have a couple of tough series left. I'm, I think they still have to play uh, – I'm trying to, I don't schedule's not going to load for me, but I know they have... <laughs> it's they have, a bad uh, Wi-Fi day in the baseball yeah, but I, know they have, sure. I remember looking at it last night. They have four series left. Two of them are against two of the other good teams, so you kind of figure they need to... And then they have two of the bottom teams. So if you hear they go... So they go three and three against the two good teams, five and one against the others, that would get them to, I believe, 14 wins. You're really talking so about... They, I think it's... I mean, as much as the Big Ten is better, you still can't finish with a 500 or below record in the league. You need to... I mean, even in the SEC, that's risky. So in the Big Ten, you, you still need to get up there, you know, get over 500 and have, still have a pretty decent uh, record to yeah, three show the, for your efforts there. Three of the Huskers' final four series are on the road. And this weekend, uh, we'll, we have a big rivalry series, Nebraska and Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you've been to Omaha, you notice mm-hmm. those two schools. That's that's the new rivalry for Nebraska. You know, all those years, it was Keith Jackson, Nebraska and Oklahoma in football. Let me tell you about Nebraska. Let me tell you about, Oklahoma. You about Oklahoma. Exactly, I was, Jim. I, I hope that someone else will do the imitation. I've heard Thank it. I've heard. Yeah, you've heard me do it enough over the years, uh, or you've heard Keith Jackson. But Nebraska and Iowa are now this rivalry, and uh, that's a big series. And I feel like at Nebraska, if they lose that series, they're in trouble. They still got to go to Iowa, and they still got to go to Illinois. Mm-hmm. Those are not series they're going to be favored in, and they still have to go to Northwestern and then home to Purdue. Which you have to sweep. I feel like they. I feel like they have to sweep those two tough, uh, you know, less bottom feeding teams, mm-hmm. and they got to win one of those series on the road against Iowa or That's Illinois. Not, yeah. and those are those are tough calls. I feel like the Huskers are in a, a scotia trouble here. Yeah, when scotia, you lose. That's the right way to put it. Scotia is the right way to put it. You really say they're in trouble, but they right. are. They're trending that way <laughs> it's not a positive trend for not for me mike and uh that, that that's the one that i didn't that, that's the one i didn't like uh we're talking big 10 let's switch flip big, the switch a little bit it. and go big west yeah the titans, titans. <laughs> uh i remember the titans back when they were good remember the titans i do uh, th- they did like their cover the, the, that the, was the, probably the highlight of the weekend for me. and that's the crazy thing is that they just they've been very consistent this year mm-hmm. just like last year they don't hit they just don't hit, and they don't execute on offense, and it seems like they don't execute defensively either. Yeah, I think uh, they did. You know, talking to Rick Vanderhoek yesterday, even though they they won that game, but he was wasn't happy with their uh, their intensity or their. Well, he's not a happy guy. Yeah, he's not a happy guy. <laughs> There's no happy or go yeah, funky but, with that uh, guy. Yeah, he didn't like their their energy. Didn't like their their you know focus. Their you know they, they just over the course of that series, they did pretty much everything. The team can do to get its coach ticked off. Other than <laughs> other than other than pitchers didn't they didn't walk people. But other than that, I mean they, you know they didn't uh, you know they couldn't get runners in from third with less than two outs. They made mistakes on the bases. Like I said, they made eight errors in the series. They you know they could they had a critical situation or they couldn't get a bunt down. I mean it's about all the little things that the Titans need to do. They did not do. 
I mean, they, they pitched. You know, Thomas Eshelman was great on Friday. Um, Garza was okay, but he didn't didn't get much help. I think his defense gave up three hundred runs out of the uh, the six he allowed. And I mean, probably the most encouraging thing was John Gavin was really good yesterday. Um, big freshman lefty big freshman. from San Jose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, definitely one of their bigger recruits last year. Yeah. And he's been very I've heard good some, for them this yeah. year. Yeah, I've heard some people kind of wondered about him, but he's he's been good. I mean, he was he was good yesterday. Was his best start, pretty by a mile, really. And um, <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, there's still, I mean, it's still. I think there's still a lot on the table for them. They're still in the middle of the Big West race. They could still, they still have all the other, you know, Irvine and uh, Long Beach and Santa Barbara all have to come to Fullerton, so they could conceivably win those series and conceivably they could win the conference. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities, so it's all... And obviously their RPI is still going to be out there because of all these tough right. teams they play. So, I mean, it's... You know, if they, if they do get in, if they get in as a three seed, they're... I mean, I wouldn't be excited to have to be a two seed facing Thomas Eshelman, but they're but, but, not... Uh, they're not built to really slug their way through a... If they were to, if they were to get into a loser's bracket, they're probably not. They're not going to go far. That's what I look at, Mike, is this, this league has five teams in the top 60 in RPI, including conference leader UC Irvine, which goes to Florida next weekend. And then you have uh, two teams in the 200-plus with Riverside and Hawaii. It feels like those might be RPI killers. I, yeah. This is a very difficult league to read. I, I could see this being a one-bid league with UC Santa Barbara if they win the regular season. Yeah. And I could see this being a two-bid league. I could see it being a three-bid league. But I don't know, it, it, it's hard to, it's hard to fi- figure. And it wasn't a great weekend for the league at all with, with Santa Barbara also. And they win two out of three. But Dylan Tate doesn't right. start for them on Sunday with this upper neck trap muscle strain. Just I don't know if you have a take on the Big West, uh, hot or otherwise. I don't. I don't know if I have a hot take. Uh, you know, I I've seen I saw Cal State Fullerton when I was out in California, and I mean, and you look at the numbers too, and it's just it's scary. A team who doesn't hit that well. I guess scary isn't the right word. I guess they're it's a they're, scary. Very, they're very not scary that lineup. Um, it's just, I mean, they still, I'll give them credit because they do grind out at bats, they do draw their walks, but they just, when they get men on, it's just, you know, they, they can't figure it out, they can't bring them across, so, I don't know, I mean, you can only rely on pitching so much, you gotta hit a little bit, too, so, it's, They really don't execute offensively, it seems like, yeah. at all, whether yeah. it's bunting, moving runners otherwise, uh, stealing a base when they need to, getting that two-out hit with the runner at second base, Yeah, it was rough to watch. On TV, you guys have both seen them in person, but yeah. on TV, that's the impression I get with the Titans is they don't expect to come up big in those situations. Yeah, they just they just didn't have an just didn't have an edge this series. I mean, and it was kind of one thing Randrew kind of alluded to. They just didn't, they just didn't. They just weren't. There's not a lot into of there that there. much. Yeah. yeah, there's not a lot of there there offensively at least. Is there any there there with Irvine? I mean, is this team? A club that is a real threat. I mean, it's a team that got off to a brutal start, I believe, 0-6. Mm-hmm. But certainly, we expect a Mike Gillespie coach team to get better. That's always my f- the intro of my Coach Gillespie impersonation. But uh, 0-6 to start the year at Fresno, at Cal. Um, this team seems like it keeps getting a little better and a little better. They haven't played the toughest schedule right. in the Big West yet. They have played Hawaii already, swept them. They played at Riverside, swept them. Mm-hmm. So they still got to go to Fullerton. They've still got Cal Poly. They still got to go to Santa Barbara and Northridge. So it's going to be a tough finish. Yeah. But this is a team that went to Omaha last year. I know they lost a lot of those guys, but uh, call me crazy. I'm I, it's, I'm not going to bet against uh, Mike Gillespie mm-hmm. coach team guys. And 
don't know if anything stands out for you guys about the Anteaters, uh, uh, their season. Yeah, I think the big thing was their bullpen kind of came together. I think they kind of struggled early. They're, you know, they and they found an answer in the uh, lineup there. But they let's say lose um, Taylor Sparks, the centerpiece last year, but they get this freshman Keston. Hira, Hira, I think that's... I think it's Hira, Hira yeah. it is, yeah, Hira. That's he was very said. highly was, regarded out of... Uh, yeah, he's Sir really kind of been the... become the centerpiece of that, that line up there. And, um, you know, they had some, you know, closer issues at the start of the year, but um, I'm blanking on the... Uh, Sam Moore. Sam Moore. Sam Moore, who led the country in saves yeah, last was, year. Yeah, like, the start of the year, he was... just had lost all his confidence in his, uh, his splitter, which was his main pitch last year. He just... You know, I think guys had kind of the book had kind of gotten out on him at the end of last year, and guys kind of started knocking him around. And this year, he just had no, just had no confidence in it, and he was kind of searching for answers. But he's it looks like he's kind of found it. They've gotten some, you know, they don't really have any, you know, huge you know stuff guys in their right. rotation. But they've got some dudes that can pitch, so they've kind of, like I said, they've they've gotten better, which is pretty much what you would uh, what you'd expect. It is kind of what it's what they do, and they you know they throw a lot of strikes as a pitching staff as usual. It's kind of their mo. It has been for years, and uh, you know like, I, like you said, uh, I think it's Hira, uh, very well regarded uh, freshman came in. I think he led all of the Southland last year in home runs. Uh, Southern California high school players. I remember reading an Eric Sondheimer feature about him that uh, he was kind of a late bloomer as a high school player, uh, but the powers there they've hit for some power. Andrew Martinez has hit for some power for them when he's been healthy this year. So they've been a little physical again this year, which last year Sparks pretty much represented their entire physicality. That's Connor Spencer, obviously, at first base, who was like the 400 hitter and like the real key to their offense in front of Sparks. But uh, they're going to skill it up, even though they don't have great speed. Uh, you see the sacrifice bunts and the hit-by-pitches. It's par for the Southern California co- uh, course for Irvine. But uh, this team seems like uh, they will we'll really find out. We'll find out uh, starting this weekend. They've got the toughest part of their Big Big West schedule. If push came to shove, Mike, how many teams do you think are going to get in from this league uh, if you're doing your bracketology? Yeah. Um, I'm still I'm still thinking it might just be UC Santa Barbara, honestly, at this point. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Irvine comes in there. I mean, you look at their schedule, and it's definitely – they haven't played a lot, of, a lot of quality teams so far. I mean, they do have, a, I guess, a nice one against San Diego. Um so they it. won that series against yeah. Tennessee early, yeah. which you know, at least you get some of that SEC-ness of playing yeah. Tennessee. You know? That's true. And we, Tennessee looked a little better earlier in the season, too. And then they beat USC early on in the year, which is, which is a nice one as well. But it's really, it's really going to come down to this final stretch here. They're playing UCLA this week, midweek, um, Cal State Fullerton. So, and then, they, of course, they have UC Santa Barbara still on the docket. So, you know, they, you know I'm not ruling them out, but... I think I think Santa Barbara is, is the team to be here. I mean, obviously, it depends in part on Dylan Tate's status, whether or not he's right. out for an extended period of time. I think they still have enough pitching to get by without him. I mean, they've been they have oodles of arms. They've been deep this year on the mound. Um, you they know, really have. You know, you, know, you look at they, they've got Bieber fever with with the Shane Bieber. <laughs> you know, he's he's been fantastic for them, and you know, the, like they, Yakimi's kind of come along. After yeah, he's, slow yeah. start. He's, get, he's gotten better. He's getting cross checked. Yeah. I can tell you that. Just uh, starting some draft calls last week. Hakimi's certainly not at the same level as Tate. Yeah, but which I don't know what level Tate's at now that he missed a start. I mean, yeah, that's just not a good sign that you had. You have nine career starts. There are only so many chances teams have to look at you. And Dylan Tate has shown number one overall pick caliber stuff. Yeah. But he doesn't have that track record. And, you know, you have a finite amount of time 
to build the track record if you're Dylan Tate and losing a start this weekend yeah. just can't help. I don't. I'm not saying it crushes him or hurts his draft stock per se, but he didn't help. So we have a number two on our board right now behind Brendan Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I'd still leave him there if we redid it today, but yeah, not a good sign. It's just not. And and Kyle Funkhazer got knocked around a little bit this weekend too. So he was not at his best, and Nathan Kirby misses. Uh, uh, comes out after three scoreless innings in his start. Lat strain. So. I'll tell you who was good though was Carson Fulmer mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And so let's let's talk a little SEC. We we have these uh, rivalry series already on on uh, on tap. Well, not rivalry series. These crucial series. Mm-hmm. On, ta- on tap for next weekend, guys. We have uh, Fullerton and Irvine we've already talked about. We're Irvine at Fullerton, Nebraska at Iowa. The big one next week is going to be LSU and Texas A&M. Yeah. Number one versus number two. And, guys, uh, the Aggies took their first ser- had their first bad day of the entire year, basically. Uh, they, they go to sleep on Saturday with a 7-3 to lead in a game that gets suspended against Arkansas. And they just had a brutal day Sunday. They cough up that lead, lose that game, then lose the night, uh, the, the, the seventh-inning uh, curfew-shortened uh, finale of the series. They lose their first series of the year. Take a pretty good look for the Razorbacks uh, mm-hmm. with uh, the freshman uh, Keaton McKinney was outstanding on in the finale on Sunday. I thought they pitched pretty well all weekend, uh, the, the Razorbacks. And then... Obviously, uh, the, the Aggies. So what what led to the slip up, guys? What in your minds? It just seemed like that was just a, really one day where any mistake their pitchers made got pounded. Yeah, I, I think it's it's more. Uh, I think it's more just a bad day, like you're saying. I don't I don't think it's indicative of anything major going on with them. I just I just think it's one of those days where Arkansas had their number, whether you know it came down to just their game plan or whatever it was. I mean, they they crushed Matt Kent yesterday in that yeah, second game, scoring you know six runs, you know, with just one like out that. in the first. Yeah, like it was instant. Yeah, so a lot of balls got turned around very quickly. Maybe he was tipping his pitches, or you know, who knows? I mean, but uh, you know, I just I just think it was a bad day, and. Uh, you know, obviously, the, this weekend coming up against LSU is going to be a, a big, big test for them, and it really could decide that division. You know, because they're neck and neck with each other right now, and you know, if, if one team sweeps or you know whoever takes two out of three of that series, I mean, it's going to you know push them over the edge. Jim, I, to, to me, uh, the thing that stands out to me about A and M as I watch them, the second time I think I've seen them on TV, second weekend where I've gotten to watch a couple of their games. And outside of Nick Banks and that pitching staff, there's some not great bodies on them. That's not the most athletic yeah. team, especially on the corners. It's just not a. I guess I guess what, that's why that that stood out to me. Arkansas looked like the more athletic team, maybe all around, and maybe I'm underselling the Aggies up the middle. No, I think you're on. I think you're on them. I mean, when I saw, I saw both those teams in Houston, albeit not against each other, but right. Um, I mean, LSU was the more athletic team, and that's why I came away thinking they were the best team at that time. And A and M was kind of in the in their midst of their undefeated run, so we it was kind of before we knew how exactly how good they were. But um, well, that was also the weekend that AJ Minner got hurt. But uh, anyway, so I mean, yeah, LSU was clearly the more athletic-looking team on A and M. Thought they were more the good good college players type of team, the more older guys that have been around that have. You know, guys like Mitchell Nall and guys like that have maybe not not going right. to be uh, not be hearing their names called in the f- 
you know, in the first or second day of the draft, if but at Hunter, all. But uh, Hunter Melton is that kind of guy. Yeah, like that Hunter kind of Melton guy. is just. And it might Michael have just Barash been, had a big hit. Yeah, you know, some it, of those guys. It, it might have been the uh, the uniforms. You know, they were the ones that the maybe that's what didn't flatter them. I don't know. <laughs> Hunter Melton has a lot of West Ray in him. He's not. He's not that. I mean, he can't. He's not big enough to have that much of West Ray in him. But he, he's a big boy. Um, it just wasn't. So it wasn't a great look for them this weekend. Just for me. And you really did. That's that's what really that's the real contrast with them and LSU, is this the athleticism and the aggressiveness mm-hmm. I would expect to see out of LSU in that weekend series. That said, I know they didn't get they didn't look great yesterday, but A and M does the arms shine through when you watch them, and it was fun to watch Nick Hendricks and his first, getting his first start uh, this weekend. That's a live arm. It's a nasty breaking ball when it's on. Uh, he's very fun to watch. Um, obviously, nasty breaking balls. We have to talk about Alex Lang yeah. and LSU. Um, I don't know, Mike. It sounds like we're kind of favoring LSU in this matchup, but yeah. they got they got right back on it and pitched very well in a rain shortened series at Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was good that they got Alex Lang back because he, he didn't start the weekend before, um, and I mean he was on a limited pitch count. But once again, he you know he didn't miss a beat. You know, six innings, one run, um, four strikeouts. I mean, he's a, he's a force. Uh, for them and and you know it's it's a young staff for sure but they've they haven't pitched like they're freshmen they haven't pitched right. like they're young and and you can't really it's hard to pitch against that offense you look at the way Texas A&M pitched against Arkansas this weekend and and you wonder how they're going to match up against that LSU offense in the box I mean you know it, it's it's got to be worrisome if you're a Texas A&M fan you, this is not the the time of the season you want to cool off you want to you want to keep playing well um, but. Yeah, I mean, LSU, we've liked them all year. I know, I think you and I both picked them as our, our preseason national championship right, right. winners. So, and they're, they're still, you know, they've been jockeying back and forth between first and second. You know, I don't think they've been out of the top five this year. I don't us. think so. Not, so. not LSU, not all year. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's the the thing with them is they got to make sure that they, they can find a, a quality third option in that weekend rotation because Jake Godfrey was, was hit around a lot. And so I know they've made some changes there. They moved Alex Bain there into that spot. Um, they didn't have a Sunday game this weekend because of rain. But That's the best way to go about it. Just <laughs> yeah, don't play a third game on the weekend. So, yeah, if they can keep that going, if they could, you know, do some rain dancing and, you know, avoid that <laughs> Sunday game, it'll, it'll probably be fine. But, no, I mean, they, they have they have plenty of talented arms to, to turn to for that role. It's just finding the guy to stick with. You know what stands out to me about both these teams, guys, is that neither one of them, especially if you look at it on our, on our top 25 tracker, they played a combined four games against the top 25. That does kind of jump out. Um, yeah. Texas A&M, you know, we knocked them a lot early for their week schedule. At least in the league, they've gone to Alabama, they've gone to Kentucky, which are both kind of borderline, uh, you know, regional teams. They won a home series against Missouri before the Tigers were ranked, uh, back when Missouri still had the stench of the Wisconsin-Milwaukee sweep on them. Um, you know, they played Mississippi State and now Arkansas. So the rest of the schedule, still, you know, still only one ranked team left for them at LSU. Uh, Tennessee's toward the bottom of the league. Ole Miss is at 500. South Carolina, we'll talk about them in a minute. Some, uh, you know, snatches of life for uh, for the Gamecocks this weekend. But Texas A&M hasn't played a great schedule. Then you look at LSU, they haven't played, they've played fewer ranked teams all year. I mean, they've played a little bit better caliber of team in general they did win. You know, if you look at common opponents, they did win two out of three at Arkansas. Um, but LSU really doesn't have – they haven't played a, tough, a great schedule either, Jim. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like this weekend really is the first big test for both teams. I'm just really hoping that uh, the weather holds up. We get in three games. Exactly. I feel like we'll know a lot more about both these clubs 
uh, after this weekend. I feel like Vanderbilt and Florida have both played tougher schedules by a good bit over these two teams. Am I crazy to think that? I, th- I think Vanderbilt has. I think Florida's been. I mean, well, Florida different Florida's. They've actually lost to Malt. They've lost a couple series. I mean, they lost that series to um, to Ole Miss, and then right. they lost to Missouri. But they've, they've, they've kind of gotten midweek some, games too. Yeah, that was the other. Yeah, that's the, probably the other big difference. Is they they do lose two out of three to Florida State. It you know ends up that way. But um, anyway, yeah, I mean LSU. They haven't. You know, look at the. I mean, they did beat Nebraska and Houston in the uh, in that tournament there, and they. You know, they swept Kansas at the start of the year. So, I mean, that's not great. They, I mean, probably their best weekend, if you just look at it, I mean, is probably beating Arkansas. I mean, yeah, two out of three. Right. And that was a month ago. I mean, that probably is the best thing they've really done. Uh, maybe the Houston College Classic, I'm going 3-0 there. That's That was a, a good showing. But, I mean, yeah, this is definitely their, really the biggest test for both teams. I mean, LSU does still have a home series with Missouri left, and they finished the year at, uh, at South Carolina, which... Maybe that ends up being a good test if, uh, if the Gamecocks keep it going. But yeah, I mean, this is this is the, really the um, chance for both teams to prove that they are the the best in the SEC. I think we we figured out that South Carolina has some grit. They found some mm-hmm. toughness this weekend. You you get just destroyed and handled like they did last week by Florida. You lose your ace and Will Crow to Tommy John surgery, and they you just get shut down on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Another one of these SEC games, by the way, where to me the optics for the league, stink on Thursdays. And I don't blame their fans. It's Thursday. It's not a weekend. It's not the same kind of schedule where you can pack it in a little early for the weekend from work and go tailgate for a night game and get get, get ready for a Friday night game and plan a little bit ahead for it. Thursday night's a little bit tougher. And just some of those Thursday night games that wind up one-sided, you look at the end of those games on Thursday nights, and it's just empty in those ballparks. And yeah. I feel bad for the schools because you know how much all these schools – really care about college baseball attendance and some of those Thursday night games just look terrible on, on TV. Um, but I guess so. We, those are the, some of the positives for South Carolina is that they really showed some grit. Jack Winecoop was, was the huge. Big, that was a big yeah. deal for me. Kind of, kind of a heroic CG for him and the team comes back and wins the whole series yeah. or series in the case of South Carolina. But I, I do want to talk about the Commodores. Back-to-back series losses now, guys, for Vanderbilt. They're getting a little weighed down by the rest of their rotation. After Carson Fulmer, he's been dynamite on back-to-back Thursday nights on national TV. Uh, you know, I still have talked talk to the scouting director and talked to two guys who saw him the last two weekends who were decision makers, and they both still, oh, yeah, he was great. I still think he's a reliever, you know? So I, I think if, the, if his delivery had a little less effort in it, a little less energy, however you want to put it, that he would be the top college pitcher drafted in this, in this draft. That's how sketchy this draft class is for me. And he has the best combination of stuff, track record, consistency, Tim Tebow-like makeup. <laughs> threw him into the podcast. but he was. I thought you said this was going to be a Tebow-free zone, John. I, I said it off the air, but on the <laughs> air, I forgot that I had my comp from an area scout uh, coming out of high school for Carson Fulmer who called him a potential Tim Tebow of college baseball because the makeup and the leadership – you have to be a special makeup to wear those uniforms and pull it off. Yeah. He's got the athleticism to pull it off. Now I sound like Clint Longenecker. He's got the body to pull it off. But he's just been dynamite. And yet, the Commodores have lost two straight series. What do you guys see in this team? That uh, is it just something a little bit off? Or it feels like part of it is they get everybody's best shot. And at a certain point, as good as they are, they do still... Second half of their lineup especially is pretty young. I mean, their bullpen's mm-hmm. pretty young. Um, I think at times 
they it's a little bit tough for them. It's wearing them down in some ways, and they always get everybody else's best shot. Yeah, you do kind of. Obviously, they have pretty much an unlimited number of arms. It feels like, even though they right. Uh, you know, obviously, um, uh, Bueller kind of struggled this weekend. It looked like, but anyway, I mean, touched ninety seven yeah. according to our Hudson uh, hmm. Belinsky, but still, the stuff wasn't. Yeah, it was the command wasn't crisp. Yeah, I mean, you, but you do kind of wonder about whether they'll be able to if they have to get into some slugfest, whether they'll be able to score enough. I think that's kind of the question. That, that, that's what it seems like to me. And in the league, in the last two weekends, I mean, their offense has gone away. I mean, they that uh, they, in the games they've lost. I mean, that they lose that sixteen inning game to Ole Miss, where they get shut down by Scott Weathersby out of the, uh, the Rebel bullpen, and then they well, they only get two runs in each of the uh, the last two games against uh, the Gamecocks. So, I mean, that's you know that's kind of been, and they, they lose three two to Belmont, and you know throw that in there too. I mean, that's and three one before that they lose three one to Lipscomb. So. It's odd Kinda. because they they still lead the SEC in runs scored in league play. They lead the league in ERA and in strikeouts as a pitching staff. Mm-hmm. But so I, I don't I don't have the red flags yet. But mm-hmm. I'm sure Tim Corbin is wondering kind of which you know what is his team. I mean, obviously he knows the the field is a little bit better, but it just feels like Vanderbilt's not quite uh, hitting on all cylinders. And I don't know. I'd be a little bit concerned. Uh, I don't know how concerned you are, Mike. But I'm a little concerned for them just because yeah. they feel like they're hitting a little low. This is the better time to do it, though, in April than in May or June. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have some concern. Obviously, you want to see the wins. I mean, I think you, you talk about the numbers there. I mean, that points to a turnaround for them if they continue to, you know, lead in, in ERA and run scored. I mean, you would think right. that that would, you know, result in, in more wins and would correct itself. I mean, Walker Bueller has has struggled a little bit of of late. I, you know, he's not as sharp. Even though the velocity is there and the stuff is there, he just hasn't been as sharp. And you wonder how much right. of that is maybe health related, or you know, it might not be. I, you know, I don't want to speculate on that, but yeah, he's kind of getting. It's almost like he's getting into midseason form in some yeah. ways, and a little bit later than everybody else. Because yeah, because he he missed the first couple weeks of the year, so um, you know. And then that that the third starter, they've gone back and forth between Sheffield and Kilichowski, trying to find a consistent arm there. You know, it looks like Kilichowski pitched decently well this weekend. You know, I wonder how who they'll go with going forward there. But uh, and then you know losing Hayden Stone is a is a loss in that pen. They really just have a couple of guys that they're they're relying on in that bullpen. You it's know. been a been a tough year for uh, your 2013 Tennessee high school pitching class. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Will Crow and Hayden Stone both this year going down with Tommy John surgery. Uh, you had Dakota Hudson, who's kind of like at Mississippi State. He's just kind of been a he's been a, he's not he hasn't he hasn't really stepped forward in that mm-hmm. into a more prominent role. I mean he's got nasty stuff. And then uh, Kyle Serrano uh, with the struggling Serranos of uh, mm-hmm. of Tennessee with an ERA uh, up close to six. So it has not been 2015 has not been a good year for what was a very talented high school pitching class. They also included Sheffield. Right. I, I forget which Sheffield brother is at Vanderbilt right now. Is it Jordan or Justice? That's Jordan. Jordan. Justice is the uh, Justice is the uh, the Indians. Yes, who had some uh, t- had a, also had his own rough spring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just hasn't been a great year for those guys. Uh, for any of those high school pitchers, and uh, it feels like that those, some of those roles are still coming together for Vanderbilt. They do have the luxury of plenty of guys to, to audition yeah. for these roles, and they also have the luxury of time. Uh, Gamecocks guys, we talked about their uh, victory a little bit. So next weekend, it's Missouri at Vanderbilt in the big series, and then I guess the other SEC uh, issue of note is Florida. The Gators moved up in our rankings to number six. So Florida, Vanderbilt, and Missouri all tied at twelve and six in the SEC East. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on. It seems like Florida, uh, you know, they just have continued to develop offensively while they're figuring out their pitching, Jim, behind Logan Shore. 
Exactly. I mean, you know, go on the road and win the you know win a two to one game at the Mississippi State, which you know that's a struggling team, but I mean that's still a tough place to go and win. I mean now. You know, the Gators have kind of got their momentum back. I mean, if you tend to take out the, the, those uh, midweek losses to Florida State, but you know, obviously they're eight and two on in weekend series now. They still have that weekend series of win over Miami from early in the year. That's kind of a you know a thing they can hang their hat on. And I mean, obviously they're you know when you look at the, this race for like national seeds and hosts and whatnot out of the SEC. I mean, Vanderbilt's RPI is down into the twenties now, which is kind of surprising. But, it is. Uh, it's weird. But, I, um, I thought they played a better schedule. Yeah, I really think so. But um, I mean, Mizzou is still kind of. In, I think Mizzou was number forty. So, yep. you know, whoever loses that series is, um, you know, Vandy. They're probably on the outside looking. Maybe on the outside looking in for a national seed at this point. And Mizzou, they can win that series this weekend. They would probably, since they have a series win over Florida, maybe they could probably get into that hosting race. So they would need to probably need to win out in terms of series. But um, it's weird. I mean, it's kind of it's weird in the SEC, Jim. You have these three teams in the top ten in RPI. Then, but then you have this, and you have five teams that have separated themselves, A&M and LSU in the West, Florida, Vanderbilt, Missouri in the East. All five of those teams have 12 league wins. No one else in the league over 500 in league play. It feels like Arkansas is like the next team, and we ranked the Razorbacks this week at number 25. Uh, they've played a tough schedule. Uh, Ole Miss is this gaudy RPI, but they're right at 500 overall. Uh, really just got pounded in the last game of the, the, of the Auburn series. It feels like Auburn... Alabama, South Carolina, Ole Miss, all these teams are, you can see all these teams being in regionals, Kentucky, mm-hmm. you can see the SEC with like 11 or 12 teams, or you can see it with like 7 or 8. Exactly. I mean, Kentucky's got that road series win at LSU, and they're, doesn't hurt. they're yeah. up there in the RPI, I mean, there are 42 in the RPI, so I mean, it's really the only teams that are out of it. I mean, Tennessee's down there, Georgia's kind of fallen off, they're down there, Mississippi State, other than everyone else is still, 11 out of the 14 are pretty still, you know, you can still see them. There's a path for them to get into the postseason. I still think Ole Miss is one of the more head-scratching teams in the country, though. I that agree. It's it, You can't really put a finger on, on what they're doing. I mean, you know, they, they win that big series against, Van, against Vanderbilt, and you think, okay, here they go, you know, here they come. Right. And, then, and then they drop, on, you know, another series this weekend. So it's, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on with them. I think of college baseball states, and like South Carolina and Mississippi are two of the most passionate states for college baseball yeah. with some of the most successful programs in recent memory. Just in the state of Mississippi, you've had three different teams go to Omaha in the last six years with Southern Miss in 09, Mississippi State in 2013, Ole Miss last year. And this year it's conceivable that none of those teams go to even to regionals, yeah. mm-hmm. which is crazy. And the Palmetto State, and I guess the best team this year is what, College Charleston? It would have to be, yeah. yeah. We've got Charleston at the top of that. Um, we do have, I think, a very unique opportunity. I'm, I'm seeing if... I'll find somebody to go to this. <laughs> to, to, the city of Charleston has two college conference tournaments. The SOCON will be at Citadel at Joseph P. Riley Park. Mm-hmm. And then College of Charleston will host the CAA tournament. So both going on at the same time at uh, opposite ends of the peninsulas there. And uh, Charleston, one at Patriots Point, one at uh, Joseph P. Riley Park. Uh, that's kind of unique, but it's just, I guess the Gamecocks are back on track. And I guess even Clemson, we should wrap up and talk a little ACC, guys. Uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference, even Clemson won a series this weekend, but that league is even more, I don't know, foobar than the SEC? I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Uh, not impressed, really, with any teams outside Louisville, Florida State, Miami, to a lesser extent North Carolina, which is still in our rankings, but boy, Georgia Tech's a team we had ranked, and they flopped this weekend. They get face, swept by BC. Right yeah. That was a face plant. And I guess the other team, I guess, coming up on the outside, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, Cavaliers win a, I mean, kind of a must-win series. 
still nine and twelve, but they did. They, they had to beat Miami at least once this weekend. They didn't just beat them; they won the series. I don't know, does that re- resurrect uh, UVA's regional chances? Their schedule ahead is not easy, guys. Yeah, it's not. I mean, they're still playing NC State in Raleigh, and they're playing UNC in Chapel Hill, um, which won't be easy either series, and they're playing Duke too. And, you know, so I they mean, basically finished with all the triangles. Yeah, they're finishing in the triangle. and uh, There could be worse things, worse places to go from our standpoint and from theirs Yeah, because none of those teams really blows me away. Right, yeah. So, you know, from that from that standpoint, they, they definitely have a chance. You know, I think... They they won two out of three in their toughest remaining series, I would say. Um, but obviously losing Nathan Kirby, if that's a significant stretch right. of time, a lot strain. If he misses a couple starts, if he misses the rest of the year, I mean, who knows how you know how how much time he'll miss? You know that could that could certainly hurt them because they weren't pitching that well anyway, which which was surprising because we thought coming in that pitching would be their strength. Right. So, but now they have now they have Joe McCarthy back which seemed to give them a shot in the arm this week you know almost immediately and then they have a freshman that they really like Gerson Meyer starting at second base now which was an area of weakness for them they had Justin Novak hitting there another freshman and he was batting below 100 so you know he wasn't really a, an offensive factor at all so they they do have some pieces that are coming together and then as soon as they do they have another piece that's that's right. missing now with Nathan Kirby out with the, with his strain so i i do still like Virginia's talent but you know, it's they're they're kind of on the outside. They're right on the bubble right now. I think they're they're tied with Wake right now. You know, right, right at the edge of the ACC tournament picture. Even just getting into the ACC tournament, I yeah. mentioned regional. Though that's where they are. And yeah, and I'll tell you, Jim, the other team we mentioned Georgia Tech and their face plant. Georgia Tech's still really high in the RPI. What are they? Seventeen. Yeah, 17 I think they were in the, in the teens RPI. coming into the weekend. Boston College's right. RPI is pretty decent. It's fifty. Uh, I so. will. I will say Boston College does have a few nice arms. You like your look at BC against the Deeks. Yeah, I, I got a good look at them against the Deeks and uh, Jesse Adams threw six and two thirds perfect innings against BC yesterday, and I really like him. He's a three pitch guy. He commands his curveball well. He has a changeup. He throws to righties. You know, he has good stuff. He he pitched really well against the dominant. You know, a very powerful Wake Forest team out of the pen, and right. they have another guy, Justin Dunn, a sophomore. He's drafted at a high school. He touches ninety four. He's been a closer for them. He's a three pitch guy too. I remember that name? And then you know, Mike King, their Friday guy. He's you know, he's he's no slouch. He, he pitches well. He pitched a he pitched excellent against Georgia Tech this weekend. I mean, combined, they just allowed one run. Which That's is, amazing. Yeah, which is with Kel Johnson back. Too. Yeah, which TFCO. Is, so I don't I don't think. You know, I mean, they need to get Chris Shaw back healthy after you know breaking the bone in his hand. But you know, I think BC has some some pieces. I think they could sneak up on you. It's really just remarkable to me that Georgia Tech. I felt like that was a series that you. I mean, it's a road series in the league, so you don't go in expecting to win that. But to get swept and to score one run, to get to get outscored eleven to one. Yeah. That could be a uh, you know, in the words of Seinfeld, a death blow. I believe that was one of the many. Fake movies in Seinfeld. That's a death blow kind of series, Jim. Oh, man, we're missing the death blow. Exactly. <laughs> and that could have been a death blow for North Carolina this weekend. They pull yeah. one out uh, kind of out of their... Managed to get a split, yeah. To split against uh, yeah. Virginia Tech. You know, Notre Dame wins a series against uh, NC State. It just sounds like Notre Dame is a... They lead the league in fielding percentage. They, so they, they throw a lot of strikes. They've got solid arms that don't blow you away pitching-wise. They don't have like that one standout draft guy like Connaughton last year. Um, but they do throw a lot of strikes, and they, they catch it. And Jim, it took NC State 14 innings to win any games in that uh, series. feels like yeah, Notre Dame is more and more shaping up as one of these potential at-large teams. And 
I, I didn't see that coming. I don't yeah, think anybody I saw that coming. Think, yeah, I definitely think they're when they're sitting there at three and nine after getting swept at home by right. uh, the Cavs and uh, Louisville week two weekends in a row. You kind of think, all right, they had a nice start, but now they kind of hit reality. But I mean, they've so they fight back. They sweep that huge series against Florida State. Now they take care of this one. I mean, that's. I mean, they're definitely on track to get in. I have to look at what their um, schedule is. But I mean, they obviously they've already played uh, Louisville and Florida State, so it can't. Right. They've already played most of the good teams. So in Virginia too. I mean, so I, they, I mean, I'll expect they'll. I would expect them to to be there to be in the postseason. I mean, you had them, I think, as a three seed last time, and mm-hmm. I, that's where I talked you out of having them as a two seed. <laughs> I would not be successful in talking you out of having them as a two seed this week. Well, I finished uh, fourth in the league, so yeah, like someone's got to be. Someone's got to be. And, I felt uh, like there were about 40 teams that felt like three seeds last week, so <laughs> someone has to be a two. It's kind of that kind of tournament this year, and I, I yeah, guess... I feel like it's going to be a very chalky regional weekend it's shaping up to be. But there's some definition between the top teams. I mean, look, yeah. at, the, look at the top of the... Again, the top of the big of the Pac-12 is like these other leagues. The top yeah. teams have kind of separated themselves and kind of run and hit a little bit in the Pac-12. I mean, that really seems like that's UCLA, then Arizona State, and, and the Trojans. Those three teams are kind of as far away from the rest of the league as those top uh, SEC and ACC teams mm-hmm. are. It feels like, and it just feels like UCLA, guys, they, just, they had the one bad weekend. Yeah. And other than that, I saw them at the worst. You I, did. I jinxed them. I've, I've jinxed a few guys. So, so a non Lanana weekends. On a non Lanana weekends, they're amazing. They're, they're <laughs> undefeated, it feels like. And I mean, they, and Cal, I guess, was the other team that I was on the Cal train earlier. Yeah. Really, some of the Dalton Jeffries injury and him missing a couple weeks. Really threw them off track. They don't have great depth, which has kind of been the story yeah. of Cal's program the last five years. Feels like an opportunity squandered, really, for Cal as far as a, maybe being a regional team this year. Yeah. Um, anything else stand out to you guys about the Pac, the Pac-12 this weekend? Uh, besides the fact that UCLA just seems unassailable. I mean, I think Oregon State kind of got back on track. They had that series loss to uh, the Ducks, but I think um, I think they beat the uh, was Arizona. They beat this week, right? Yeah, so you know they're. I think they're probably still, you know, at least in contention for regionals. I mean, obviously Cal has fallen down a bit, um, and, and you got those three teams. You kind of got three teams fighting for national seeds with the uh, the Bruins, the Sun Devils, and, um, and the Trojans. I mean, the Trojans are probably the one on the outside looking in right now, given that they uh, lost head to head. But you know, after those three, it's um, you know, and then you kind of throw in the Beavers, maybe as number four, but it's uh, it's not. I feel like there's a lot to get uh, get excited about right now. That's how that's how that league feels to me. Is that it's really been this kind of this three team race, and there hasn't been a consistent fourth team yet in the Pac-12. I do think it's likely Oregon State at this point. They've been the most consistent. I mean, it was not a good look for them to lose to when Oregon had just been losing to everybody on on the planet, and then all of a sudden Oregon State yeah. loses to them. Um, but you know, the the, the talent uh, we've talked about how young the Oregon State talent is, but it seems like they're uh, the, one of the more talented teams in the league if they can get things together. I, I still kind of like Cal, but... I, I like Cal, too. I, it just doesn't seem like they've uh, found... They've just kind of lost the mojo here. What have they lost seven out of their last ten games? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Lucas Erceg for a while was carrying them, and he's he's cooled off just a tad. Yep. Um, you know, I do like... They do have some some interesting pieces on that team. They do have some, some freshmen that have stepped up in that weekend rotation without Dalton Jeffries there, but... Yeah, I mean, obviously the their last couple of weeks haven't been good, so they need to get back on the winning track if they want to have a chance at it. You yeah. know, and I, and I thought Oregon too this weekend. You know, they crushed Kyle Toomey, right? Which I thought, oh hey, you know, maybe they're they're making some moves here, and then of course they they lost the rubber game the next day. So, 
you know, there goes that. But you know, <laughs> they really they, I mean like that, that, none of these none of these other Pac-12 teams has been consistent, and yeah. that's been really the issue. Is that Oregon had the great start? They kind of, I guess they have been consistent. The Oregon's consistently been not very good in league play. That's really that, that's yeah. the consistency the consistency they've shown. Yeah, but it really does feel like there's some top heaviness, which I think I'm with you, Jim. Or I think it's it's a it, it could be chalky in the team the, the league that's the most. I'll say it again: the team, the league that's the most interesting league, is the Big Ten. It's the most interesting league that has the most teams where you could see uh, an Ohio State mm-hmm. or a Michigan or a Michigan State yeah, those are like or Nebraska. The, those are the teams. You know, if we talk about those would be dangerous I was just thinking, um, you know, I think it was last year we had seven road teams win regionals, if I remember right. And I was thinking there's probably we're not going to come close to that this year, but maybe those Big Ten teams are actually the ones that could because they're used to playing on the road. They're not going to be. Thrown off, and like I said, they were saying they're all Ohio State, Nebraska. They, all those teams would be dangerous when you're there are two or three. I wouldn't want to face them. I would not want to face some of those teams, especially in Illinois. But they're not going to be on the road. They're the, probably not. They're going to be home, and uh, it's fun. it's been fun to watch that develop uh, as the years gone on. We'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Nice work, gentlemen. Uh, it will be around this weekend, but we're still seeing if we can send Mike to uh, Nashville or uh, I don't know, maybe even Baton Rouge. I've never been to Baton Rouge. I've never been either. I'd, I'd love to go, but we'll I've, only, I've only seen LSU at the Superdome or in Omaha. I've never seen mm-hmm. them. Uh, never seen them actually in their natural habitat, which is kind of <laughs> ridiculous when you think about how long I've been here. I've never seen the Bayou Bengals. Uh, I've never seen the Intimidator billboard in person. I'm kind of ashamed to admit that actually. And uh, but we'll have uh, plenty of more college baseball. And of course, you can check us out on video. BA Today, a little college part of the BA Today video today at baseballamerica.com. And plenty more coming up this week, and it's all sponsored, I should say, by Louisville Slugger. Check them out on Instagram and on Twitter, at Slugger Nation. So for Jim and for Mike, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time, everybody. The guy's still up there. It's still very good. but down to 6-6 and now. They kind of need to pick it up a little bit. That's what I'm wondering. I think we talked about how strong the Big Ten is this year, and it's been borne out. But when you have... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.